Welcome back. Section 229, Crane Basketball Talk. You can back in here after the Christmas break. Man, I hope everyone had a uh, good holiday. I'm, I'm unfortunately back at work today, taking a little break to uh, get the pod rolling this week. I did schedule some PTO for uh, later this week, so I'm excited for that. But I got Blake here with me. We're without Brock today, so... Uh, two-man crew for our interview with a former uh, former Blue Jay. But, Blake, how was your Christmas, man? You, you're doing good over there. Yeah, I'm doing great. Omaha's awesome. I mean, it's cold, snowing. But, yeah, holiday was great. I uh, met with some family, kept it small. Everyone was safe. Saw some people I haven't seen in a while, so it was good. It was a good time. It's not very cold here yet, so I don't envy you. St. Louis mm. has been warm enough. It's been warm enough for me to go golf. So how about that? Wow. A little, a little bit of a new thing for me in, in December, so. But uh, yeah, Brock will be back hopefully sometime here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, um, let's get into it. Not a lot, of, not a lot going on for the Jays this week. Um, but you know, the, the the polls always drop on Monday, so it, it felt like a felt like a nice little gift here on this Monday, the twenty eighth here in December. Uh, Creighton jumping back up to eleven in the AP poll today, slowly climbing their way back into that top ten after falling out. Two uh, pretty hard losses to Kansas and Marquette, but the Jays have rattled off several victories since then. Um, but in the next four games, a little bit of a lull in the schedule here, Blake. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I'm giving my opinion, I think, you know, it definitely is probably one of the lower parts in their schedule this year. But I can fully appreciate that there are no nights off in the Big East. So you really have to, you, know, you have to keep your wits about you in the next, the next four games. But if Jays take care of business, uh, these next four games should be all W's. Uh, we got Providence on the 2nd of January. Uh, we come back home after the road trip there for Seton Hall at home. And then we have St. John's at home as well on the 9th. Then we're back on the road on the 16th. Uh, with Butler at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So Providence 6-3 and three on the year. Alabama, Indiana, and Butler are their three losses. Seton Hall, uh, probably a little bit of unfinished business with Seton Hall from last year. The Big East regular so. season uh, finale there in Omaha, which me and Blake and Brock were both uh, both at and both very excited to be in attendance. But uh, we're, we're going to carry that over to this year. Kevin Willard, I think, is going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder coming in uh, after we put down the banner. In uh, right in front of our faces there in section 229. Um, I think there's going to be, uh, it's going to be a very intense game. I think his squad's going to come in. The, you know, the people that are left on his team carried over from last year. I think they're going to come in knowing what happened last year. That'll be a definitely a tough game. But uh, then we're back at St. John's in Chai Health Center. Uh, we've already beat St. John's once on the year in a game that was really tail of two halves. We really gave it to him in the second half. So, uh, I think that one will hopefully be an easy W. And then we get to Butler, who's I think is just they've had a really hard start to this season. You know, they've been on COVID protocol. Um, I don't even know if that's the right <laughs> the right term to be using, but they've been out. They haven't been practicing or playing games because they've been, um, you know, out with COVID. Uh, they had a couple positive tests, and that's what happens in these days of COVID. You have to stop your program for a couple of weeks. But you know, just play the what if game for one second. You know, in that AP top poll, Blake. You know, if if, yeah. if Creighton had pulled out that loss at Kansas, you know, and I I, I really like to play this what if game. <laughs> We're gonna play it a lot on the podcast, but imagine Creighton doesn't lose that game at Kansas. Imagine, you know, we probably wouldn't have even dropped out of the top ten and probably stayed in the top five. Um, I don't know what happens after that loss to Marquette, but you yeah. know we're not really having that conversation if we lose this if we don't lose this game at uh, Kansas. So the what if segment is now over. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, anyway, we've got a really great guest today. Uh, really excited to be talking with Will Artino. We just had a really uh, good hour-long conversation with him. You know, one of the famous NVC players that crossed into the Big East era, you know, Will was recruited as a uh, Missouri Valley player. Um, but then, you know, in the middle of his career with Creighton, he transitioned to the Big East and he's tossed into um, some really intense competition, uh, you know, right away. Um, so we get to talk to him I feel like uh, we got some really good insight on what that that transition was like firsthand. Um, and then we also talked to Will about um, some of his best Creighton seasons, you know, wh what he had to say about some of the uh, time, you know, the times with Doug that we had. Um, and he's also had a really interesting career overseas. Uh, but before we dig in, please find us on social for the love of God. Come discuss this podcast with us after we're finished. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Section 229 Talk. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Section 229 colon 
Creighton basketball talk. Like us, follow us, whatever. Let's interact. I am. I'm always on. I don't really have anything else going on in my life, so you can always uh, tweet at me or or uh, talk to me. I'm always willing to talk Jay's hoops, and I think Blake is too. We're both tied oh, to yeah. our we're both tied to our computers and phones pretty closely. So, yes, Blake, yes. are you ready to get into this interview with Will yeah. Artino? Let's do it. All right, let's get into it. Our conversation with Will Artino coming up next. Well, Will, dude, thank you so much for coming on, dude. It's it's really great to uh, to have our second player interview on the pod. Um, we I don't know if you listened to the episode last week. We had a really good discussion with Jordan Scurry last week. Um, kind of caught up about what's going on uh, so far in the season and everything. But we ended up talking for almost two hours, so I assume that we'll pro- we'll probably do something similar today. But but thanks for coming on, man. It really uh really good to have. All, you know, to be lifting up all these former uh, Creighton Blue Jays fans. But did you have a good holiday? I mean, we were talking about that off the air, but I, I mean, it sounded like uh, sounded like COVID's been a little hectic for everyone over the holidays. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, my mom ended up getting COVID a few days before me and my wife were supposed to go down. So, you know, that's part of the importance of making sure you're getting tested and not going to see people without yeah, sure. without knowing uh and then after you get tested you can't you know you got to quarantine if you're waiting a couple of days or something that's kind of been uh the way me and my family have done it to try and avoid everything uh, we have some people that are high risk so uh you know rather be safe than sorry type of thing so for sure it was, yeah i mean it's it's crazy too because like i saw somebody on my facebook friends list ended up having covid like a week before christmas and they had like plans to go to disney world and they like ended up going like after Ooh. like testing positive. I mean, that's that's probably why we're in a little bit of the situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I now, paid but... thousands of dollars for this occasion. I don't care about anybody else's life. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild, man. I mean, like I said, I haven't left my left my place rather than like go to the grocery store or go jogging in quite some time. So I'm a little jealous of everyone that has a life outside of that. But uh so let's catch up. Well, um, you know, where, where are you currently at? And I mean, obviously you, you've got a really budding career like overseas right now, but obviously none of that's really happening. You know, you can't really leave the country. So where are you at and where are you training right now? So right now I'm in Omaha, um, living with, uh, so my wife is Greg Echenique's wife's sister. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And so right now we're staying with them. And Greg's in Japan and his wife just came back. Uh, and so we're just kind of, they, we were going to get a house last summer and then we lost a bunch of money to COVID at the end of the year getting shut down. So we just kind of, uh, Greg was nice enough to let us, you know, help us with that out. Uh, so, and then I train out in a gym that's just like a private gym somewhere with uh, my trainer, Hunter Longacre. He was from Millard. Uh, I've been working with him for about four years, and then I go to the gym Punch Fitness out in uh, Millard as well. So everything I do is pretty much just one-on-one, or I'm by myself in the weight room. And then other than that, it's just at the house and playing video games. Yeah, me for too, sure. man. Me yeah. too. <laughs> I've become like an expert in like playing like Call of Duty, like Warzone. Like I'm super into it now. I've I've logged like an insane amount of hours playing that game since quarantine started. I feel like kind of dirty for how much I've been playing. Yeah, it's all right. I think we all have. I've had to switch <laughs> over. I'm just not. I play so much. I'm like I should be so good for how much I play and how much Dude, time right? I have, but I'm just don't just not good i had it to just, switch it, it doesn't translate it's either like you're really I've, I've determined like you're you're either born good like playing like video games or you're born just like <laughs> mediocre you know like i definitely fall in that mediocre slot <laughs> yeah i was like i was pretty good at like call of duty black ops 2 like back in like 2012 Dude, and yeah, then like ever since when we ever were since in that college. game yeah yeah <laughs> ever since that game i don't think i've had an above one kill death ratio yeah and i've played like an astronomical amount of video games and hours and i'm just it's just for me it's nice it's the way i stay in touch with my friends when i'm overseas and stuff like uh it'll be like a friday night their time and if i'll have like a saturday or whatever it is uh, depending on the hours or sometimes it's anywhere between eight and 14 hour difference depending on where i'm at and so if i have like an off afternoon or something we'll you know have a couple virtual beers together or something like that and it's just nice way that technology's helped make it not feel so lonely 
so it sounds like it sounds like you still are in touch with quite i mean you you had a ton of great seasons with them but you it sounds like you're still in touch with a lot of like your former teammates from creighton who are you uh who do you who do you keep in contact with the most uh well greg obviously is we're brother-in-laws so i mean that's kind of a given but uh right now i play Warzone with uh, isaiah zierden like every day uh he's really good like really good i've been trying to get him to pursue it um me and Jahens are signed to the same agent, and okay. so we uh, we talk a decent amount, um, just yeah here and there. And then uh, uh, Doug, we're still pretty close with Doug. He actually, I did a food drive out with North Omaha, and Doug donated to that, so that was oh, really cool. Awesome. Yeah, for Christmas. So uh, I mean, pretty much them, and then it's just like kind of one of those things where it's like if somebody's around where somebody's at they'll shoot a text to them and everybody kind of just stays in touch sporadically throughout the years and then when we all get back together uh it's kind of just where we picked up where we left off i mean i think the last we were doing an annual trip to lake of the ozarks at ricky Cueclo's lake for a little bit but that kind of fell off with the pandemic and stuff and then just so i mean we're all pretty close still it's just matter of who's around austin chapman he's he's back and forth from omaha to dallas i'll see him a decent amount he works out with my trainer too so is he is he playing overseas as well yeah he's had some tough luck with injuries um i think he's done the g league a few times i think he's coming off a foot surgery so he's trying to get back in and i mean he's showing a lot of resilience with it but it's just like it's tough uh Luckily, I haven't had any injuries, knock on wood. Uh, but, I mean, it's cutthroat. So, if you get his rookie year, he had a knee surgery, and they wanted him to stay and play through it. And he was like, I'm not going to do that. And so, it was just it's just kind of, yeah. you know, luck of the draw sometimes. Yeah, tough, tough game. Sure. So, uh, to give Jay's fans a little bit of a rundown here, I mean, you've been really busy since leaving Creighton. Um, so let's just kind of break it down. Tell me where you've played, um, obviously after leaving Creighton, and then where have you where you've played recently? Because it sounds like you've been bouncing around between Asia. Um, there was something I read about playing in Mexico. So just kind of give us like a rundown of what's been going on the last couple of years. Yeah, so I started in Estonia, and I played in a Baltic league that was Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, and that was kind of really eye-opening. It was a town of thousand people, eight-hour bus rides. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, so it just from there, it just didn't kind of really mesh that well. I ended up leaving in February and was just kind of in between what do I want to do. And then I ended up deciding I went to China for a two-week stint in May of that year. So that would have been 2016. And that was, and I went there for free just to see China. I was like, when am I ever going to get to see China again yeah. at the time? And uh, so then that ended up going out. I ended up picking up an offer from that back out. And I went to Denmark for a year. And then from there, that's next summer is when I met Hunter, my trainer. And he really helped take off a lot. Like just helped me a game take off. And so there I went to Cyprus. And was named to the all-star team cyprus got bought out by a team in romania and those were kind of that was a tough i mean those first three years were really tough as far as just kind of get your foot in the door if you're not a big name out of college or something it's it's a lot harder than you think it's going to be uh so those three years were all i guess like the learning process and just kind of putting your time in and then uh from there uh i was kind of down to didn't have too much and then i got lucky that Somebody needed a replacement center in the ABL, which is where I've been the last two years with a short stop in Bahrain in between those. So I was in Taiwan and uh, there I was named. So that year was the name, my first center of the year in that league. And that league is Taiwan, China, Philippines, Singapore, uh, Malaysia, which is where I was at last season. Uh, I there's 10 China Hong Kong Singapore I said Singapore I go so many places I forget yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm it's, it's to, crazy I'm sitting, I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain I'm like well what could he possibly be missing I think he's like named all of them. <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, Indonesia was one Thailand yeah uh, and I'm sure I'm 
missing a team, but uh, basically, so in that, that's just from that one, my first season at ABL, in a season and a half, I filled up a whole entire passport from Stamps, which was insane. So I really, uh, and then, and then, so yeah, so then I went to Bahrain for like three months from July to September uh, with my old coach from Taiwan. And then I went to Malaysia. And then um, last year, this past summer, I signed uh, with the team on the contingency of getting naturalized to play with their national team overseas as well. And then COVID kind of put uh, a rut in that. Wrench and everything. Wrench, yeah, for a little bit. And uh, But also the team that was handling it didn't want my agent to handle it. And they kind of like, I think they kind of threw the national team on their bus was trying to make them pay more of the salary than they wanted to. So kind of off ended up falling apart really late. And that's how I ended up in Mexico for, it was supposed to be three months. I lasted six weeks because three guys on our, or two guys on the team test positive for COVID before the yeah. game. And they're wandering around our hotel, trying to hang out with people and talk to people. And I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is a short stint. This isn't really anything that I'm just here to play. Right. And collect a little bit of money like you guys aren't really this isn't my main league this isn't my source of income usually yeah, so i'm not going to put the rest of the year in jeopardy for this yeah that's right um, yeah i mean i mean definitely it's um i mean obviously you've you've played through several different cultures but i think you know definitely through this pandemic it's it's definitely hard to get like and that's i think that's like kind of why like you know, going why the borders are shut down right now too, you know, like, yeah, it's, I mean, people just aren't being responsible enough to like make those decisions, but crazy yes. that you've crazy that you've played through all of these different, all these different leagues and, um, you know, have all this experience under your belt. I, you know, I look at it from like a travel standpoint. I love to travel too. I mean, I what's it like being able to fill up your passport, like being able yeah. to go all these places, seeing all the places that you've, that you've seen. I mean, what is it, I mean, beyond basketball, like it obviously adds like a huge value to like what you're, what you've been able to do in your life. But, um, you know, reading the piece that John Newa Tower wrote in the world Herald this summer, which I, or not this summer, or it was, I think it was, yeah, yeah, it was and, and, and in the summer. summer. Um, it's, it was a really, it really kind of struck me. I was like, man, Will's really been through a lot, but he's also been able to like grow and experience all that stuff. Kind of talk about like how those experiences have kind of shaped you as a person over the last like five or five or six years. Yeah. I mean, in terms of just like perseverance, I mean, really is like the first thing It's just kind of like. I really feel like, oh, I can make it through this. I can make it through whatever I was going through, like in Romania where I didn't get paid for two months and I lived off of like $100. And I had to take the city bus to practice. And if the city bus was late, they'd find me money. They weren't paying me. And it was just like a bunch of – and I was living in a gypsy village and walking down the street, like making sure I wasn't getting pickpocketed. I mean, just like stuff like that. It was just like if you can do this, like whenever your next chapter in life starts – like you can apply whatever you've learned in real life situations to different, like, I don't have a lot of business experience. I don't know if I'll ever go into business, but I feel comfortable that I'd be able to do something in business. Just, I know how to get things done, how to make it through different things. Um, and I mean, in terms of the travel and stuff, uh, I'm lucky that my wife loves to travel. <laughs> She's really supportive about it. She loves, uh, she, so she started traveling, uh, January of 2019, I think, full time. So, and I mean, so once, whenever she visits, that's really like when I get out and see people. Well, before, so it was when I'd get out and like see the different tourist attractions and stuff. I'm more so like go to practice, nap, wake up, go to practice. All business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just like play video games. I don't, I don't really do too much, but, uh, these last few years in Asia have been really nice. Uh, I just really like the culture there. And they're very professional, but also have like a more relaxed side to them where like in Europe, you're kind of dealing with like people that are like semi-scary, like you don't know who they know <laughs> and stuff right. like, I mean, uh, but, and you know, like you're going in there asking for your paycheck. Like it's like, I mean, I've been short paychecks before and 
you know, they're slow on paychecks. Like you get paid for November and January and it's like, and what world do you think that's okay? And so like yeah. just kind of finding a voice for yourself. Like at first I would be like, cause a lot of the contracts will say, Oh, seven days after the payday, you don't have to play anymore or a month after this. And I would keep playing. Whereas eventually my agent and everybody was like, you have to have a voice for yourself and stand up and be like, I'm not going to play if I don't get paid yeah. and stuff right. like that. So just kind of just teaching a lot about like confrontations and stuff too. It's like, nobody likes confrontations, but eventually it's just, you get to the point where it's like, okay, my livelihood's revolving around this paycheck. So I got to confront somebody about it. So it's just different things like that, I guess. Yeah, no, I sure. get that. I'd be the same way. I'd be like, oh, I don't have no paycheck. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to waste <laughs> your time. So I'll, I'll right, I can't, I like... can't, I can't imagine getting shaken down by Will Artino though for a paycheck. I'd be, <laughs> I'd shit my pants, dude. You're, you're really tall. You'd it'd be super intimidating. So. Yeah. I mean, some of them. So, and then, I mean, on my way back from Mexico, they didn't give me a work visa and I had oh, like a, Jesus. and I had some of my pesos left, like a stack and they, I didn't bring the form back to get out and I like, got pulled back through there and I had to like stuff the cash in my pants <laughs> and like was getting, uh, and it was like, my flight was at like six 30 in the morning and it was like sure. five o'clock. I'm scared. I'm going to miss my flight. I'm just want to get home at this yeah. point. I've been up for like 24 hours and then they're like, questioning me about all this stuff and i'm like no i didn't make the team that's why i'm leaving like why would i have gotten paid like why is the season's still going on and i had to say all this crazy stuff and oh, luckily man. it got out of there but yeah, yeah man, so. it, it, it gives you some good memories to look back on like that's that's the type of <laughs> shit that I, I would carry for the rest of my life dude like those are invaluable like experiences in foreign places i mean like can you imagine like thinking about this like when you were in high school like a kid from Waukee, iowa like you know, like crossing the border from Mexico under like all of these like weird circumstances, <laughs> and like, I know. And like, like trying to shake down your boss. Like that's all like, that is, that's crazy. That's awesome that you get to like, you know, yeah. that there's, that there's like a, an opportunity for, you know, players to kind of get out there across the world and like, you know, keep their mm -hmm. basketball career going, but also being able to like have all of these like crazy life, life experiences too. You know? Yeah. I mean, like even when I started my career, so I was working with a guy to get my Italian citizenship. And so like, I went to the Italian national training camp with uh, Matt Carlino and Ryan Archidiacono. And, the, and, and Matt, Matt Carlino is from Marquette and obviously, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. Marquette yeah. and then Archidiacono. Yeah, sure. yeah, everybody. The, the, same, him, the sure. famous Archidiacono. Yeah. So, how, how and I, so I thought I was going to go there, come back and go right back to Italy and just spend my whole career in Italy. And I've never even touched Italy since. So it's like, even from 2015, to now it's like i didn't think i'd see all the places i've seen and gone and done what i've done so that yeah. part has been really cool too yeah. so so well after after covid whenever that resolves we're all hoping that you know sooner than later obviously what would the next step be for you once things clear up so right now that's kind of what we're i mean it's like it changes every day yeah. <laughs> my, like Very my cool. agent will call and it'll be like these six teams uh and then like three days later we'll talk and it won't mention it was it mentioned six new teams and i'm like well, okay well, what about those teams like yeah. oh no we're not going to go with them we're going we're in down to these and so but ideally uh so we're back in contact with these uh the team's national team We've, we're working straight with them now and submitting all the fight paperwork and everything we're hoping that's on its final step so i'll be a dual citizen soon and i just don't know like how much i can say about it that's why i'm not saying what where it's sure. from uh, i mean when the time comes everybody will i'll announce it and everything but i just don't know you know sure. so uh so that right now that's kind of the top and then we're discussing with like five teams from the ABL, which is my the league I've been in the last two years. Um, and we're hoping that starts in it'd be a February training camp and a March start, but with 10 different borders and 10 teams trying to travel through different borders, yeah. it's kind of tough on when that's going to be. Uh, but True. it does seem it's, it's trending in the right direction over there. Everything for the most part, most leagues are running and everything and they're going to run it uh, like a bubble format where like a week, like a, like a conference tournament every month, like where you're doing, you know, whatever those turn, however the tournament would run for five months and then a six months. So that one, 
So that's probably what we're looking at. Uh, there might be a short stop in Europe here in a few days <laughs> that we're talking with the team right now. Um, I mean, it's just, it's been crazy. I had a deal back done back in Bahrain last week and I was going to leave on Tuesday and then they didn't want to give us what we wanted. And as far as, you know, different, whatever the, the different, boxes that need to be checked in the contract as far as how this contract was going to go they kept changing it so i just we moved on so it's it's tough to say but uh probably somewhere back in asia most likely that's kind of where i'd like to be well i mean it sounds promising lots of opportunities so yeah it's just yeah. It seems like how it's gone you know from the start so yeah why, that's, why, that's, why, that's why what i was gonna it say up. it sounds like you have a you have a lot of um a lot of different, a lot of unique different opportunities too, you know, yeah. whether it's going to Asia or Bahrain, like two completely separate parts of the world. That's, that's awesome. So yeah. well, good luck with that, man. Be safe too. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously with all this COVID stuff going on, it's, it's, you know, it, it's important to have your heightened sense of wits about you when you travel. So definitely be careful yeah. and we'll yeah. be, uh, we'll be sending all the love we can for all of the Jays uh, overseas and, uh, and elsewhere. But um have you uh so let's let's get into maybe some topics from this current season. I mean, have you been keeping up with uh with Creighton at all this season? I mean, obviously watching as much as you can, you know, yeah, as, as you're I mean, training and everything. I try and catch every game honestly, but uh cuz it's I'm here and I got you I don't have to wake up at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. to catch the games and so uh I've caught uh I watched the opening game against North Dakota State. All right, that's who they opened against. Yep. I think. Yeah. yeah, I watched that. The Nebraska game, Kansas game, Xavier and Marquette. So I've caught most of them. Yeah, absolutely. All the ga- but, the games that have mattered for sure. Yeah. But I feel like we touched a, I touched a little bit on this with Jordan Scurry this last week on the podcast. But um, you know, I I feel like this this team is is so much different than any other Creighton team from the past like ten years. I mean, they can beat you in so many different ways, and not just like the traditional like Creighton you know high powered offense running you off the floor with you know with with Doug you know scoring forty or whatever it was. You know, do you think the depth on this team is better than Creighton has had in years past? Um. I mean, I think so. I think it's pretty good as far as uh, I think like O'Connell, once he gets adjusted to the system more, he'll be a big key. Uh, I really hope for Jacob to stay healthy. I've been a really big fan of his since day one, Uh, just from back like a few years back, I'd practice with them a lot whenever they needed a body or something. He's a really nice kid. And just that for his freshman year when he had that game against Nova, I thought he was going to be really special for us. And he's just, I mean, when you're out that long with that many injuries and everything, it's just got to be a big mental block. And so, and then, you know, Kyle Cabrinner is probably exceeding expectations right now as far as at least the offensive production that he's brought. Um, he's been, he's known as a shot blocker and he's doing that. Um, Sharif is playing, you know, really good defense, everything. And once he gets, a, if he can get that shot a little more consistent, he'll be a huge piece. Maybe not as much this year, but definitely in the next, what, two years, right? He's a sophomore. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah and I mean, we'll probably, uh, Marcus will potentially lose Marcus. So that's kind of would be his spot to take. So, and then, and uh, Jones has done, he's a, just kind of a glue guy for them and does whatever, kind of takes like Damien's spot. Damien's out the game. Mm-hmm. I, so, I mean, there, I think as far as depth, maybe it's a, maybe not necessarily depth, but maybe like the most talented team in this sure. terms, if you want to go like that. I don't know. It's hard. I think the one thing it's like, there's been so many good teams that like so much depth, like our teams in the Valley, we could go 11, 12 deep as just like, there's just not enough minutes for that. Sure. Right. Or, and that's actually, that's tough on a coach to try and bounce. But uh, as far as, you know, compared to their team last year, there's so much more depth where they won't have to rely on 95% of the scoring from the starters. But uh, I mean, it's just when your starting lineup is as good as it is, the bench is definitely going to get overshadowed. And so. 
Yeah, speaking of Jacob Epperson, I think it's I think it's good a good transition point here. You know, Ryan Kalkbrenner definitely I, I would agree is is exceeding expectations right now. He's really coming into his own, especially the last like last you know versus Xavier. I thought he played really well. Yeah. Um. You know, it's definitely tough to see Jacob sitting on the bench. You know, obviously working back from that injury, and then you know, you know, I had the same thing in my mind. You mentioned that Villanova game where he came out and was catching those lobs, and it was just like, mm-hmm. oh my god, this this kid is going to be so so good here once greg gets the chance to develop him a little bit do you think i mean what do you think that rotation looks like you know getting further into the season here i mean do you think jacob as he works his way back and gets his legs under him a little bit more do you think he overtakes that spot from ryan since he has a little bit more experience in the big east but i mean i mean his his experience in the big east is a little limited but i mean it's it's crazy to see him sitting on the bench as much as he has been yeah, I mean, I think it's a tough situation. I kind of look back at it as my senior year when Mac tried to run me, Jeff, and Zach at three at the five. For I mean, there's just not enough minutes for three guys at the five. It's like, I mean, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, there is and there isn't. It's just as far as if you want, if you want to get guys to get in the groove, and you know, I'm never going to question Max coaching. I think he's no, a hell of a coach. So I hope yeah. no fans are saying, thinking I'm bashing him or something. No. I'm just, just it's just hard to have, find. I mean, that's 12, 13 minutes a guy if you're going to do an even rotation. And it's just so as far. And I also was thinking about that the other day, watching him not play. And I was like, you know, he could do also do what Sam Froling did because he's Australian and he's probably will graduate this year where he could potentially decide to go to the NBL while he's still young and healthy and start playing because I always thought – Initially, he was an NBA talent, and I think a lot of people did. Sure. But he's got to get reps in, and he's got to get mm-hmm. games in. And unfortunately, when you're in the situation he's in where Christian Bishop is far and away the starting center right now, and he's playing really good, and Kalkbrenner is the future. Yeah. As a freshman, you're kind of just stuck in the middle there where are you, do you want to take five to 15 minutes a game depending on it, or you have – an opportunity to go play pro. And I, I don't, I haven't spoken to him at all. I don't know if that's an option to his, you know, in his mind at all, but I was just thinking that, uh, I mean, I would love to see him, you know, be a hell of a redemption story. Yeah, for sure. For I mean, I come think, back and yeah. do something great, great this year. And I think he's capable of it. Oh, 100%. Just, I think, I think we're all, you know, we're all just like, we're all obviously pulling for him, you know, but coming off and not playing for like, however long it's like almost yeah. like 700 days it was or something. 700 some yeah. days I yeah mean, i mean like... that's a long time to be off from the game and you know i mean it's not that he doesn't have the talent it's just it's it's a hard rotation you're right i think yeah. you know as we get into the big east i think it's going to thin out even more and we'll see who's who's really going to take over those minutes but yeah you wish him well totally i mean it's not yeah. like we're we're sitting here bashing you know bashing how how he i mean because i think in the limited minutes <clears throat> that he's had he's played really well yeah i mean, I mean it's just it's just the rhythm and it doesn't matter what you do until you get those game reps. Like, like I think about myself right now, it's like, I've been off for this long and I'm like, okay, I gotta, if I gotta go somewhere and play in a week, like, how's that going to look like, and it's just like, I've been healthy the whole time and playing. And it's like, I could never imagine that at that point. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about a lot of guys, you know, probably just take their scholarship as, you know, whatever, how they do it where they cut the scholarship off counting, but they honor it and just get their degree. But he's trying to stick it out for everybody. And I yeah. mean, so hopefully, you know, he'll have his moments at least this year where some of the fans can ease off of him because he hasn't played in 700 days. And it's yeah, like, for sure, for sure. that's tough. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, this may be more of a weird question, but I always, I always, love to get insight on weird weird things like this from former players but teams currently on christmas break right now after a pretty brutal stretch of games i think they had like something like six or six games or in like 16 days or something i mean there there was a ton of games that they had just right in a row there um you know what do you remember about christmas break during your career and how that time off like really helped you recover for the second half of the season i mean yeah obviously being close to like where you lived waukee i mean if correct me if i'm wrong but it's on the west part of des moines so it's like maybe like an hour and 45 about an hour and 45 two hours depending on the traffic yeah I mean, what does that time off mean for the team, especially? I mean, they, they almost have some like 10, 10 days in between games. I mean, that's a that's a great, yeah. great, great stretch. I mean, that's what I didn't realize that they pushed the games back so they could ha- go home and everything until it all happened. And I was like, that's 
just Mac being smart. I mean, granted, it'll be it'll look different than when I had my time off. I had my time off and I'd be able to see my friends and go around the town and whatever. And so it's just like nice. Usually it's like two and a half days off is what we'd get. Come back on Christmas night to practice. Uh, but and it's just, yeah, time to relax, see family, friends and stuff that you don't really see. Uh, but for them, I mean, it'll be a lot of relaxation and just being just still just being with their family. Probably. I hope, you know, they're not going out seeing their friends and everything, putting stuff in jeopardy, but I, yeah. I don't think anybody would, yeah. but it's just, it'd be nice just to relax the body. I mean, 16 days and or six games in 16 days with traveling and, you know, they went coast from to New York and back and all that is be a lot on the body for sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think in in terms of who that's going to help out quite a bit, I think Marcus Zagorowski is going to yeah. really enjoy that time off. You know, I think he's looked obviously a little sluggish coming off the inter- injury. He's playing really well. It's just he's not as playing as 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 a high level as he was last year. And I think that'll mm-hmm. that'll come with time when he gets more settled in after that injury is all you know all, all worked through and everything. But I think this ten day period is going to be huge for you know on his body and and rest and hopefully uh, you know propelling him to to play you know up to what he did um last year you know yeah i mean um, i just think it was yeah it's just tough like same thing with jacob coming like people forgot like he got so many pre so much preseason hype that people literally forgot about the surgery and then the right. surgery the summer before that season yeah. and it's probably just catching up to him so yeah he's really weathered the storm there man i mean coming back off the injury he had and coming back and playing like as well as he has already i think is a as a feat in itself you know what i mean yeah so um so let's talk a little bit about your career at creighton for a bit um because you had an interesting one you were one of the swing players between mvc big east um, recruited as a Missouri Valley player, but played at the highest level at the Big East. Um, so I want to get into your recruitment a little bit and just talk about that. Uh, then we'll get in and talk a little bit more about your career. But Dana Altman recruited you, correct? Yeah, so D-Rock was ahead of it. And then Altman, because, you know, the head coach doesn't, unless they, unless it's like a five-star guy, they're not going to do too sure. much. Right, but right. so, yeah, so I committed to Altman. Okay. And, so... Uh, you know, we, we mentioned it a minute ago. You're out of Waukee, Iowa, just west of Des Moines. But it's, you you weren't the only Iowa player on that team. Like, I, I feel like the Iowa blood on those rosters back in the 2011-2014, like, era. I mean, like, you had Grant Gibbs. You had you. You had Doug. I mean, who else did we have on there? I mean. Well, so our class, if you count Gibbs as part of our class, it was me, Doug, Cody Engel from Southeast Polk, who was mm-hmm. just a walk-on, but he went back to Grandview, Jahens and Grant. So we had four Iowa guys and then Jahens from Canada. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. And you, I mean, you and Doug were like rivals in high school, correct? I mean, if you want to call it a rivalry, they beat us by like 40 every <laughs> okay. game. Okay. I mean, Got we it. had one game where we were down like two with 12 minutes left in the game. But I mean, that's unfortunately we were in the same conference. So yeah, I mean they were they were pretty dominant. I mean Harrison Barnes and Doug, it's a little unfair. <laughs> for- yeah, I mean it was Doug before he became Doug too. So that was yeah. like that was the crazy thing, but you know, everybody kind of saw it. They had and then they also had division one linemen who ended up pitching at Evansville. They had point guard that won a national championship at community college, guy who went to Yale, and then Boo Boo Paolo, the point guard at Iowa State. So, I mean, it was yeah, stacked. some talent, some talent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, rewind a little bit here. Your last two years in the Missouri Valley, you guys were obviously on fire. You know, those those teams with Doug were unbelievable. Um, I specifically want to recount maybe a little bit of your time in St. Louis for conference tournament because you guys had some crazy final games, you know, in the, yeah. in those last two years. Mm. Um, and to close out, you know, a really storied Missouri Valley history there, you guys really kind of put a cap on it. Um, so let's talk about those games a little bit. Um, in 2011, I believe you guys played Illinois State. Uh, and in 2013, the final year, you guys played Wichita State to end it out. Really, right. two two really gutty wins. Uh, what do you remember about those final two games? How special it was to close out? You know, I mean, obviously, you guys probably didn't know at the time those were going to be like your last. Yeah, you know, I mean, your last games. Um, you know, what what was it like going to St. Louis that last time and 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 getting that victory over uh, Wichita State? 
I I mean, it was just it was one of those things that it had been like a rumor about us going to the Big East. It wasn't for sure if we were going to accept, et cetera. Like I think we had already accepted probably, but we didn't want the Missouri Valley to be upset at us, so we kind of kept it. I think away from everybody was, but uh i mean just for it to line up how it did to play wichita state and i mean i remember two things from that game and that's really it like i remember i had to make two free throws with like four or five like my last and and lutz was yelling at me and i was like i'm gonna make them just leave me alone i got it and i made both the free throws and then i remember Jahenza's layup at the end, at the yeah. end yeah. yeah and it's like everything else from that is just such a blur like dude I, I i always remember the sound of the uh of the rim like <laughs> like they had at the what is that place called savage center it's like right it's like literally five minutes down the street from me i don't know what that arena is called scott trade oh uh, scott trade yeah, yeah there I it is. yeah i think it's changed names since then but i always remember like the that rim just sounded like it was about to fall off like every, <laughs> every year on TV. There's, it just sounded so weird, but I think it's where they play some mic probably. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, but, absolutely. But uh, I mean, what was your overall reaction when you found, when you found out that it was final, that Creighton was going to the big East? I mean, what was I mean, that? It was I, like, you guys had just finished like a huge run that last like leg of the season. I mean, things were, yeah. I mean, Doug was maybe not coming back. Like it was up in the air. That gets I announced. mean, yeah, I don't think Doug comes back if we don't move to the Big East. Hmm. I mean, that's kind of the gist I, from what I've understand. I don't know if I've ever actually asked him about it, but what else did he have to prove in the Missouri Valley? He didn't have, right. and so to go do it on the big stage uh, for him, and I loved his draft stock a lot. But uh, I mean, personally, I was just. I was excited. I mean, ready for the challenge. Uh, you know, as a kid, you dream about playing in Madison Square Garden. I knew I was for sure going to get a play in Madison Square Garden. Uh, I mean, that was like, that's just like the first thing I thought about. Um, I didn't realize how much cooler all the cities would be to go to, not going to like normal Illinois and Evansville, <laughs> Indiana. Yeah, Harbindale, Illinois, which yeah. is close to like my hometown. Yeah, man, that's, it's a, so, it's a big I mean, upgrade. Yeah. So oh. it's just like seeing the East Coast and everything. Like I'd never really spent much time oh, out yeah. there. So it was just like it was just a lot of excitement for everybody and just you know, trying to prove we belonged. Did do you remember your uh, first game in the Big East? I think it was Marquette. I Mar- Marquette on New yeah. Year's Eve, yeah. I yeah. mean How were you feeling that, before that? It was uh it was weird. I didn't ever really get all that nervous. Like, every once in a while I would, but, like, I kind of just knew my role. And so, like, my role wasn't something where I had to put up 25 points every night or something. So, it was, like, my role wasn't really too nerve-wracking, I guess. But just, like, the energy and excitement surrounding it, like, is something that you'll never forget. And just, like, Marquette was picked to win it that year, and they were kind of struggling but kind of doing all right some games, so you didn't really know. And then we came out and just, like – really like i mean they ran into like a buzzsaw that game and yeah, you guys really made a statement that game yeah it was just like one of those things that and uh i, I remember that was the first year we had gray uniforms and so we wore them against nebraska and we wore them against marquette and it was like for us that was such a big deal like when we get to wear gray uniforms oh yeah well, it was it was, like, so, it was just like an exciting time, man. It was like yeah. we're, in, we're in the Big East. We got like this new floor, like for the Big East. We have like a whole new like logo and look. And then like you guys come out in these grays, and like it was like it was a really fun time to be a fan because there was just so much new shit like everywhere. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, it was like we like as a team, like Creighton would be technically considered a mid major, but we never felt like a mid major. Like we beat high majors all those years, and yeah powered five conferences and everything and so like i think that was just like when we really felt like okay we're a high major program and it's like time to carry on as a high major program does right and you guys speaking of that you guys were really dominant against like specifically against like big 10 teams like in those years like you guys beat wisconsin a handful of times you guys beat Uh, arizona state a handful of times if i'm if i'm yeah not mistaken northwestern yeah northwestern nebraska yeah yeah. 
yeah, well, Nebraska, like <laughs> what, four four times while you were there, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like most of the most of I mean, if if you were if you played on the team between like 2010 and 2020, you probably with exception to one year, you know, you Yeah, we lost my red shirt year. Yeah. And then I think they lost what two years ago or something. Yeah, when they had yeah. like their best team in like forever. And, they, and and credit to them, they were they were pretty good that year. They yeah. They, I mean Isaiah, I think that was Isaiah Roby and like uh, yeah. Tran Pedway years. I think that might. I don't know. That sounds like sounds like it was too far away. Anyway, I don't. I don't. I try yeah. to keep track of that I, too. <laughs> too. I forget too Nebraska has a basketball team sometimes, so that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. I haven't. I haven't been paying it. I haven't been paying too much attention beyond uh, what a you know the the Creighton game this year. I, I'm not sure. I know. I know they've they've obviously struggling. It's it's hard. You know when you start to rebuild a program like that. You yeah, know, you're gonna have, you're gonna have some just, rough years. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Hoiberg's a really good coach, but yeah, you don't have Royce White and Corey Lucius transferring in right away. And yeah. you're trying to do with transfers. It's going to be a little harder if they're not the surefire yeah. guys he had. So. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we get through all of those Missouri Valley years, you get into the Big East, um, you know, you have that last year with Doug and the, and the crew, essentially, um, and you're like one of the last men standing from like the 2014, yeah. like team, you know, or the, yeah, 2013, 2014 team, um, you know, the, the core group that was there for a long time, you know, most of them, you know, had graduated and moved on and, it, it, you know, you guys had a little bit of that group left. Um, but, you know, you guys brought in like Ricky Kreklow, you know, a couple, a couple transfers that year, you know, how did that, how did that last year, they're writing out that last year kind of go? I mean, did you, I mean, obviously it was a little bit of a down year for the Jays, um, but you guys had some tough games that year. I mean, I, I went back and looked at that schedule today and you guys, you know, I, I qualified it, you know, you guys played in a ton of games that were decided by less than 10 points. You were five and 12 in those games. So it's yeah. not like, it's not like you guys were a bad team because you weren't, you had a ton of talent on that team. Um, I think, you know, you obviously stuck out as somebody on that team that, that played really well. I think Jeff Grossell kind of came into himself at some point in that year. Yeah. Um, you know, talk about that last year, obviously being like a down year. Um, but talk about how, how that was an important year for Creighton's identity. And yeah, I mean, I think first off, it kind of showed everybody that we can't take for granted what we did. Cause it's not, it's not normal the type of run we went on and granted they're in the middle of another one now after those two years our year and then the year they went to the nit it's been right back to where we were and i mean so that's a testament to mac and making sure he gets the right guys and everything doing running his program the right way but um it was just it was weird like you said there was such a big haul over with guys and they decided uh they're I lost my train of thought one sec. Uh, I was, well, I was thinking of like, they let some people go, but that was that year. That was the year before. Um, but yeah, so it was just like, whereas those teams before, if somebody was doing something or going out to eat, we all were going out to eat. And it wasn't like everybody had different agendas. It was more so like you said, like, okay, well, like me, Avery and Austin and Devin, but Devin was really never close to us. Like he just, I mean, he's a good guy, and we all were friends on the court, but, like, off the court, he kind of just had his own life. But, like, so Ricky fit in well with the older guys, and then it was kind of like the older guys, and then the younger guys did their thing. Hmm. And it was just like we just weren't, like, as close as we were on the court those years before, we were closer off the court. And so, like, I think that really helped with a lot of the chemistry and trust that we had like in those close games in the years prior, whereas we didn't really know each other that well in a sense. And it just kind of showed at the end of the games where we're leading or down by one or two with like three minutes left. And then we just couldn't finish much out. And it's like, yeah. So, yeah. A, a ton of, like I said, a ton of close games that season. Yeah. I, I, I remember that season very well. Like I was, I mean, as a fan, obviously it wasn't like, it was a frustrating season, you know, when you, when you yeah. have so many close games, but I mean, that's neither here or there, but it's like, you know, you guys finished the season with Seton Hall, Villanova and Xavier, and you lost those games by like, I think a combined like six points. I mean, yeah. that is, I mean, and Villanova was rated number four at that time. So like, yeah, we should have beat them. Yeah, but and that I was yeah. 
but you know, I mean, <laughs> like I said, rather it's neither here or there. I mean, yeah. you guys, you guys were in those games. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy to I mean to think about you know playing like the what if kind of game, but like yeah, if a couple of those early in the season, like the one at like North Texas, like I don't that's I don't I don't think that's a game you guys should have lost. You know what I mean? No, like, I, I think you you guys were in that game too. You guys had a pretty sizable lead, and it's it just like the it's rough. You know, it was yeah, rough. the one that really sticks out that I remember that kind of was like if we would have finished that one, and then maybe things would have been different. Was the old Miss game down in Florida? Oh yeah, yep. And it was, that was kind of the start of our troubles, but and in that just, game, in that game, I think you guys had a pretty sizable lead there at the at like towards the end too. And yeah. That, and I remember that game specifically because the announcers on that broadcast were so crazy bad. It was like they were hitting like all of these free throw shots down like the stretch, and like the fans who would listen to this podcast absolutely know what I'm talking about. It was it was like like a ninth grade style like broadcast they did it like it was so so bad but i remember that game like really really well that tournament was it, you know it was rough i think who'd you guys play after that you guys played middle, middle tennessee yeah middle tennessee and, and you won by like 10 or something i think yeah um rough, yeah, it was, rough time yeah, it was just a tough year i mean the one thing is like for us as a team that we can hang our hat on about is we never folded we there wasn't anybody at the end of the year that didn't think we could make a run in the big east tournament i mean we almost did we should have beat georgetown also but another one of those games that down the stretch they closed it out and we didn't and it's just like yeah i mean you guys came out like swinging like at madison square garden i mean like you you beat depaul like pretty handily that first game you know and like you guys looked good in that you know and and georgetown gave you some fits earlier that season too right they came i think you guys only scored like you almost like scored under 40 points that game, which was, which was really uncharacteristic. But I mean, like JT three's like defense at that time was like at its prime. Yeah. You know? So like that, that totally makes sense. But yeah. So, I mean, it was just, it was just a year that I think everybody can look back on and get yeah, different things out of. Yeah. And you guys definitely didn't give up either. That's like the thing that like, that I will totally like submit to, like you guys like never quit, never. I mean, like it shows late in late in the season, like when you're having like those one point losses, like to end the season, like as gut wrenching as that is, you guys never stopped. And like, I think there was a point in that season too, where you guys like lost like, a, like several in a row. I mean, like you guys easily could have folded. And like, I know you said there was like people on that team that had like different agendas and everything, but like, the will to like kind of stick out that season's pretty good. Yeah, I mean it got it got so bad one day, I remember not bad in like a sense of like the attitudes on the team or anything, but Mac just trying to figure out a way for us to figure out like to relax. That we just played dodgeball one practice against the coaches. Like he was just like, I don't know what to do. We rolled out some balls and we played dodgeball like for an hour. That's that's a sign of a good coach, man. I remember yeah. I, I remember I had like a moment like that. Like I played basketball in like middle school. I remember like we got our asses kicked after one game and like our coach got it like on the bus and he's like he told the bus driver to go to Sonic and he bought all this like slushies and everything. Yeah. And, like sometimes you just need like a moment like that just to kind of be like, all right, you know, let's like recenter, get back to basketball. <laughs> yeah. So well, yeah, man, great career at Creighton. Like I said, you know, there was yeah. that, that last year, obviously there was, it was tough, but you guys never gave up. Um, but yeah, man, you were one of my, were always one of my favorite players at Creighton. Um, you know, our section, our section always was like, always would like rise. There was this lady in front of us that would like yell your name every time that you would get a dunk. She would stand up and be like, well. <laughs> like like she was like the like the announcer at the stadium it was the it, this lady was like well into her 60s too so god oh, yeah. bless her i don't think yeah she, i don't think she comes to the games anymore but she really that's loved you so i appreciate it yeah that's it's funny <laughs> me and my friends the other day were talking about kind of like the different things at creighton and how like certain guys could slide under the radar and i was like yeah i was just i was you either loved me or hated me there was no in between <laughs> Okay, well, here's here's something to talk about then, dude. Because I think I always got the impression that you were a good trash talker, <laughs> and from the way you carried yourself on the floor, I felt like you just played with like a like a pretty much like an fu like type attitude. I don't. I know we have some older listeners <laughs> on the pod. I don't want to. I don't want to start yeah, tossing yeah. out the f bombs. But like, do you think you talk trash pretty well? I mean, like, does that still live on to this day? Um. So you I can, never you really. Can, you can gloat a little bit, man. It's okay. <laughs> I no see I. The thing is, it looked like I was talking trash, but I was I was talking trash, but not a sense about me. Like I was doing it like for Doug or like pens or something like I was doing it just to like get people hyped. Like it was just something that like, I don't know. 
but now I do talk a lot of trash. <laughs> um, but that's also a thing just to like kind of stay in it. I mean, I don't know. I've gotten in a few yelling matches with people on the court, like on the court side and some of these places. All right. Well, well give, give, give me this. this. This is something that I try to ask like everybody that comes on the pod just because I'd love like a good trash talk segment. But like call out your 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 most memorable trash talk moment from the four years that you were at, at Creighton. Oh, there's got to be some good ones because I know Doug liked to talk trash in like his own way. And we've also I mean, yeah. we've also played with some some dudes that did like to talk trash. So, I mean, like. In a sense, like if you can't, I can't even compare myself to like Grant Gibbs. He's on like another level of it. He is so good. He was so good his, at getting under his, his people's without skin. Words sometimes. You yeah, know? it's just you know, like you know, whether it's we well, just had like, like a good mix of people. Yeah, the because one and just like the scuffle with Turn Pedroway when he was like walking out the gym, getting the whole arena rallied <laughs> up over it, and like like only grant could have pulled that thing off and not gotten in trouble with mac like if somebody else did all that i feel like they would have gotten in trouble maybe but like grant he just has this way about him but um just i un- think just untucked his shirt and just walked away yeah just like, yes <laughs> i mean so for like personally like my own it might have been uh there's two. There's one when I was young, like my first year. We were playing like Presbyterian too, so it's not even something to be proud of. But like somebody <laughs> on their team was trying to talk trash to me, and I like looked at them, and I looked at the scoreboard, and then I scored like eight straight points on them, and I was just like, "Yeah, I just scored eight. I just eight owed you guys. Now I'm gonna check out the game and be done." <laughs> oh my god, dude! I, I remember playing. There's a couple times I think you guys played Presbyterian, like when Doug you know, was, was, you know, that core yeah. group of guys were still, still around, man. I always felt bad for them, dude. They always came in super underhanded, super, like, yeah. super, not, I mean, like not a deep bench or anything. They just had like a rough time yeah. every time they came. And then probably like the one that actually mattered would have been the pink out game at Georgetown or against Georgetown that first year in the Big East. And like, I hit that like ridiculous running hook. Yeah. I, I remember that. I, I can't even remember what I said, but it was, Who'd you, who'd you hit that over? Do you remember? <laughs> no, I don't. But oh, I, I remember like for the longest time, I thought there was only like three seconds on the shot clock and that's why I shot it. And then when I finally saw a highlight of it, it was like 12 or 14 on. And I was like, oh yeah, I probably. <laughs> Give me your favorite moment at Creighton. What, I mean, what sticks out most in your mind from the four years that you played? Oh, um it's so hard yeah i mean there's like just of, there's a ton of good moments you know what i mean i mean like, we've been over of- a few of them just the there's nothing like like new york and madison square garden was cool but there was nothing like going through four thousand people in st louis before a game like and being like yeah we're really gonna like there's no way we're gonna lose like right like we just we can't let all these people down and like maybe that probably st louis like when the after we beat wichita and the students rushed the court all that like that was cool uh, i mean the stuff in the big east but it's just like if i got to go with one it'd probably be the last missouri valley tournament yeah i mean there's there's, there's literally too much to pick from yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it was it was a wild ride for sure so I mean, you're you're in Omaha now, so I guess this question's a re- little irrelevant. But I always have somebody that tweets it at me every time we do one of these podcasts now. But what's your favorite food spot in Omaha? I guess you don't really have much to miss, so you can't like what. You, you, uh, the question was, what do you miss most about the about the food in Omaha? But I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, um, you're there now. What I mean, what are your go-to spots in town now? Well, right now I miss Tracks Wings because the Tracks isn't open, so yeah. <laughs> I guess right now I miss that. But. uh like my favorite food spot is uh and I'm blanking block sixteen. Yeah. Oh god. I mean, that was like when I went there it was such like a hidden gem and now it's yeah. like it's same like with, like, nas- when it's I, like a national treasure now. Yeah, I mean and like tracks was the same thing. Like my friend lives like down the hill from tracks, so like we walk there and like when we first started going there, nobody would go there and then now it's like packed all the time when they're open but, but i mean those are probably because i love chicken wings i think tracks has like the best wings in the world that's right off 60th street yep yep okay the little right horse by, uh, 
What's the taco place? Uh, Jonesy's, right? right Jonesy's, there. yeah. They, yeah, they got okay. good tacos there too. Yeah, had those before. Uh, I mean, if I'm gonna get like fancy, uh, the Drover. Oh, oh yes. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But go, go off on him, Will. Holy shit! Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's like an anniversary thing. What about so, like yeah? A, yeah. What about like a guilty pleasure that you you wouldn't want to tell anyone about, but you still eat there? Oh, let's see. Uh, De Leon's is mine, man. I, I, I do not, I, I do not advertise that I eat there, but I may have, I may have eaten there several times. I mean, like the thing that I eat sometimes that, and like that, like my wife is like, I'm like, I'm going here to get these, and she'll be like, No, I don't want any. And why are you eating this? Is Doritos Locos tacos from Taco Bell, <laughs> baby. Those oh, are yeah. so good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude, they are. They're low key, they like slap. stupid good. Mm. Dude, there's this place here in. It's crazy that you mentioned that because there's this place here in St. Louis that is called the Gramophone, and they do like these sandwiches. And I like the sandwich I get every time I go is a sandwich. It's like roasted chicken, like all of, like the fixings, like lettuce, tomato, and all that. And they put like Doritos, like oh. talk, like, oh yeah, you know, like like just chips, like over the top, and just stupid the crunch and it like when you add chips yeah. to a sandwich and that crunch is just like puts it on another level like Thank i make like you. turkey sandwiches i always put chips in them or something dude when i was a kid Freeze, i would always dude, i yeah. would always put ruffles on i would always put ruffles on my peanut butter and jelly oh um, that sounds interesting low, low i wish i would have done that sounds good. good yeah dude it's never I, too late will to this day <laughs> to this day i'll i'll, I'll make a turkey and cheese sandwich and i'd be like all right so some i don't i don't care if it's cheetos funyuns doritos that crunch it's like yeah it's a crunch like i've made it i've oh, made it oh god we're gonna dude we honestly just need to turn this into another food podcast blake <laughs> i mean i got okay. one yeah we can do it i yeah. mean i'd be more than happy to i'm I, if we sit here and talk about food i'm just gonna get I'm, it's, <laughs> it's 5 30 now it's about dinner time so that's probably yeah. a bad idea but <laughs> All right, man. Well, one last question. We'll get you out of here on that. Um, I mean, you had a ton, a ton, a ton of game time in, you know, with your Creighton career. I mean, I'd, I'd love to know who, who you love to play against the most, you know, whether it be Missouri Valley or Big East, like who, you know, who presented the biggest challenge, you know, when you, when you stepped out on the floor uh, for some of these games that you were in. I mean, for me, it was like personal, uh, it was Drake. And so the story behind that is I tried to commit to Drake like twice. Sure. And I was like 15 minutes from home. Like I played yeah, with them, I I played with like them right every there. day. Yeah. Like I'd go down and play with them every day. And the Phelps was the coach at the time. And he just kept talking about, oh, we're going to build a build a, re- a relationship, keep building this relationship, building a relationship. I'm like, I'm practically a part of your team. Like give me a scholarship in my mind. And then I went up and visited Creighton and uh, my coach came down from, uh, he was with Tony Bennett in mm. Washington state. And he mm. took a year at Waukee and it was just like, yeah, we're going to get you something better than Drake. Like, just like, don't worry. And then, so it ended up coming down to Drake or Iowa and Creighton. But so the Iowa game was another big one. Yeah, that, that, that Iowa 30. game. Yeah, dude, that Iowa game is like it, it was super under the radar. Like, yeah, like one of like yeah. the best wins of that of that time period for you guys because like I felt like you guys. I mean, there was obviously a ton of players on the Iowa team that you guys have probably played in high school over the years. Yeah, so, yeah, correct. Like, like Matt Gaines and Grant Gibbs are best friends. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's crazy that I mean I, that was like your guys's first real year, like out there, like all right. together, like. You guys wiped them. I remember turning that game on. I got home late. I remember turning that game on and being like, holy shit, they're up like 25 points. Like, what is happening right now? I was like, damn, yeah, this so, team is like for real. So, I mean, yeah, it was always a little personal with the hometown schools just because of, I mean, Iowa didn't under-recruit me. They gave me a scholarship and everything, but it was just at the time I just felt that Creighton was trending in the better direction. Um, but, yeah, the Drake and then Big East – probably i mean wichita obviously too was just like such a crazy rivalry but it's just for me it's personal but uh i would i mean the villanova games those first two years were like they would like come out and talk a bunch of trash and like hoop and holler and then we'd just like 
be up by 30 and like <laughs> three media timeouts and the game's over and it's just like all right like so i was i kind of wish like one of those games might have been like more close but at the same time it was a lot of fun how beating them the way we did so right right but that dude it's always so funny i i, I love <clears throat> i love when people mention like some of those teams coming like out of media timeouts because or when when you guys would get up like a build like a sizable league doug would always come off the floor like if somebody called like a 30 second timeout he'd just come yeah off, like doing it like, <laughs> he would put his arms up and like and give that uh 30 second call like every single time i i really miss those days man but well thanks again will this was this was yeah. great man thanks for coming on and talking to us i know it's um it's kind of a weird time right now like with COVID and everything going on, but uh, it's great to connect with all these former players. And yeah, man, it was, it was great chatting. We obviously all best wishes on, uh, on what you have going on um, in the future and hopefully, uh, hopefully get out of here a little bit sooner rather than later. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's getting cold and I haven't <laughs> been in the cold in like three years. And... Yeah, dude, I was going to say like, <laughs> Bahrain's probably got some really like great weather right now. Like, yeah, this time last year I was 95 degrees by the pool in malaysia and now i'm like scraping snow off the driveway and I'm like i haven't shoveled snow in 10 years i gotta do this again so oh man i had well, it good, all nice and set, all but <laughs> i appreciate it thank you guys it was a lot of fun dude yeah, yeah good luck with it and uh stay in touch man we'd love to have you back on the show maybe here in like a, a couple months catch up with you see what you're doing and uh hopefully you're out there playing again by uh by the time that's all all over but we will sign off from there thanks for listening guys section 229 talk on twitter if you want to give us a follow and interact with us you can find will on twitter as well and keep up with what he is doing but until then blake thanks for jumping on man appreciate it will thank you again we will uh we'll talk soon gentlemen